Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, July 18th. We begin with a look at what's being called the digital skills gap, the increasing need for tech-savvy employees, which simply isn't being met right now by the Canadian workforce. We discuss the issue and what can be done to remedy it with Caleb Walker from WithYouWithMe.com. Next, we've all heard the saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but is it time to replace that apple with an avocado? We catch up with Dr. Ted Jablonski for details on a new study that says that could be the case. And finally, it's another edition of Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. This time out, we speak with seven-time gold medalist and member of the Order of Canada, Donovan Bailey, to hear his personal definition of motivation. The technology and digital sector is struggling to find the candidates with the right attitude and aptitude for jobs. The answer to the issue may lay with the so-called digital natives. With details, we are joined by Caleb Walker, Senior Vice President of With You, With Me. Good morning to you, Caleb. Morning, how are you doing? Good, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, When we talk about the technology and digital sector, what types of jobs are we talking about exactly, Caleb? Yeah, essentially, uh, we're we're talking about... uh like cyber, uh, data analyst, data analytics, data engineering, uh, process automation, and computer programming. So the ability to uh, protect the data, understand what it is says, and then uh, and then move it around uh, organizations quickly. So what's the problem, Caleb, in finding people to fill these jobs? Is it because, it, you know, those who are in school for it, just it hasn't caught up to how fast-paced this, this industry is? Yeah, that's uh, essentially we're... We're still using the traditional model to build uh, technology talent, send them through university for four years, maybe six years, uh, with a master's degree in cyber, uh, while uh, other uh, countries are able to build up a, a cyber operator in about you know 60 to 70 days. And so it, there's you know the, the demand's bigger and bigger every year, and we're just not able to to catch up. Uh, and on top of that, you know when uh, you do finish university degree, uh, you know Microsoft and Amazon are telling everyone that uh, the people aren't ready to work in the technology sector because they don't have the right skills. They don't know how to be a data analyst or cyber or, or process automation. Uh, and uh, and so we need to upskill people. Um, and so luckily, you know, young people might be that way to, to fill a gap. Caleb, I'm wondering, the candidates, so these kids coming out of high school or maybe been kicking around some ideas, uh, that's one piece of the puzzle. But do we have enough when it comes to institutions that can teach these skills in our country? Yeah, well, we're trying to definitely, our own organization is trying to fill that gap. Um, and uh, so we, we uh, started by only upskilling, say, uh, 10,000 you know, p- people a year. But this year uh, in Canada, we want to upskill about uh, 50,000 people through uh, self-paced study and through um, like uh, boot camps and, and uh, online uh, events so to get people mobilized as much as possible. Yeah, because yeah, right now, like a lot of the you know, universities and colleges definitely can't meet that demand. Uh, we shot an example uh, with uh, the defense sector. Uh, you know, one college, for example, upskills and trains people in cyber, maybe even like 10, 15 people a year. Um, but we're hoping to upskill about uh, less a thousand uh, in cyber for the defense market. So it's uh, definitely you have to have a different approach to it. You know, in the beginning, Caleb mentioned, uh, Andy mentioned, excuse me, the, the term digital natives. Well, what does that mean? Who are you referring to? It's typically people that just grew up with digital in their hand. Um, and so in compared to, say, an analog uh, native, someone that's more used to uh, using phones and, and paper-based uh, uh, products, 
that's why it's, it's it's important to get a digital native in because they they kind of expect or understand how systems or processes could be could look uh, if they were digital. Uh, but uh, typically, we always get the uh, people, the analog natives, uh, to put together a, a digital solution. But they're they're still thinking in a, in the older concepts that don't uh, make sense. Uh, so yeah, digital natives are just people that are used to uh, doing everything uh, on the on digital. Could part of this, Caleb, be somewhat of a, a marketing mission from the industry to to let the folks know about these jobs? Could it be that it is so new that people might not know exactly what it looks like or have enough knowledge of, of what it entails? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you just need some young influencers to be successful, and so they can tell everyone how they how they did it and what it could look like. Uh, you know, it can't really like a young person from uh, high school probably would never even heard about it being an option. They're all told uh, that you have to go to school for four to six years to to get a degree to be successful. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, we can upskill people in about two hundred to three hundred hours, and they're uh, able to make uh, great salaries, you know, maybe six figures in within a year. So it's, uh, it's, I think it's, yeah, it definitely is. It's just like people aren't aware of the opportunity, what it could look like and the solutions that they could build. Uh, a really cool thing that we did about uh, six months ago is uh, a nonprofit that's trying to get uh, Ukrainian refugees out of Ukraine uh, came to us because they needed a digital solution to help people do the, the paperwork and, and the process easier while they're in a refugee camp in Poland. So we, we built that out in about uh, a week, uh, and it's able to help, you know, 10,000 uh, Ukrainian uh, refugees. So I think if young people know that they can learn how to do that and then build out those solutions, they'll get them pretty energized. With you, with me, the platform, you guys have done a, a little bit of research with the, the youth users that you have online, about 600 of them. Tell us a couple of the, the stats that you found, because I find it very interesting about just how adept young people are at this kind of technology that the rest of us are not. You know, the, one of the interesting ones is how conscientious they are. Uh, typically, everyone's like, well, they can't be that conscientious because they change jobs all the time. But uh, no, 40% of them, because we do a, like a personality test uh, as well, which, uh, you know, tests for conscientiousness. And, uh, um, they, you know, 40% of them are actually quite conscientious. So what, what, probably, what it probably means is that you just have to keep them challenged. You have to keep them motivated. You have to keep them interested. Uh, otherwise, if they do get bored, they, they might move on to another job. So, uh, yeah, I think this, this population, the young population, is, uh, is excited and interested to solve problems. Uh, and they just want to be uh, enabled to do it. And that was some of the statistics that came out. Excellent. Thanks for your time and your insight, Caleb. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much. That is Caleb Walker, Senior Vice President of With You, With Me, what they do online, by the way, at withyouwithme.com. This is uh, one of the greatest challenges I face as a parent of, of two teens and uh, two more teens coming down the line is they don't, you know, they don't know what they want to do. I want to encourage them. Mm -hmm. I don't want to push them. I don't want to direct them. Uh, But the conversations I have, and I'm taken back to when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. No clue. And I think the options are one thing, but knowing what those options are, such as a job Therein lies the problem. You know, it's it's very difficult. Yeah. You know, some of the stats that they found uh, that I thought were really interesting, um, youth aged 15 to 25 Mm -hmm. have better than average pattern recognition. They have more than 80% of them have intermediate or above tech skills. They have great aptitude for, you know, anything technology driven, despite not even having any training in it. And, you know, that they are 40% of them, they found are translators, meaning many of the youth can bridge the gap between high level creators and the doers on the team. 
without even having the training because that's the world they live in right now. They don't live in the same world that we lived in. You know, we complain about our kids being online. Well, that's their world. Yeah. Whether we like it or not, that's their world. They do everything through school online with their friends. They play games online. Yes, of course, they need to be outside. Not saying that, but it's just, it's different. Yeah, the old fogies like us over the age of 40, you can't wrap our brains around it because it's different. Mm -hmm. It's probably maybe a rudimentary, a crude example the equivalent of when Elvis started playing music and the kids loved it and the parents said, this isn't our kind of music. You shouldn't listen to that. Yeah. Well, now it's the tech and it's the way they and communicate. They're, they're just, entertain they're themselves. now naturally good at it. Yeah. So why not push them towards those kind of careers, those kind of jobs? They're, if they can do that and, and in, you know, advance this province, this country, the world, for sure. Absolutely. Another option uh, for our kids as they get uh, closer to getting into the job market. They're tasty, delicious, and maybe the superfood we all need in our lives. According to a new study, the avocado may be worthy of a bigger role in our diets. To discuss, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. So do we, uh, used to, we used to say an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Do we switch out that apple for an avocado? Well, according to this latest study, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad idea. So it's an interesting study in that they looked at a 1,000 people over a six-month period, and they it broke it into two groups. One group could eat less than two avocados a month. That was the maximum. And the other group had to eat one large avocado every single day for six months. And they were looking at, and these are obese people uh, in the study only. So they were normal, uh, no normal weight people. These are all big people. And uh, the group that ate a high fat, which avocados considered a very high fat food, every single day for six months, did not gain a pound and actually had better cholesterol at the end of the study. Mm. They didn't lose actual fat, which was really one of the parameters the study was looking at, but their weight was completely neutral with better cholesterols at the end of it, despite that high, higher fatty diet. So that good fat term that yeah. we hear a lot really is legit. It appears to be, and we know this, so that there are sort of the bad fats, which are typically animal fats, versus good fats, which are vegetables, uh, which could be uh, eggs, cheese, uh, uh, avocados, nuts, uh, things that have high fat. But if it's a healthy fat, if you're cooking in oils that are made out of vegetables, you're going to be doing better and actually it does seem to be favorable to cholesterol. And this is not the first study to say that. All right. So I guess it's eating the avocado itself and maybe not covering it with bacon bits on my avocado (laughs) toast. I guess it depends on how you eat it as well. That would be a very good strategy. Yes. (laughs) Don't cover it with uh, animal fats because that is going Mm. to accomplish your goal. But there was some sort of, I don't know whether it was just a a fad, I guess you would call it that, you know, if you, you ate avocado, it would help reduce belly fat. So there's no such truth to this. Yeah, this study would not say that that's true. And this actually looked like a pretty reasonable study for a a six-month period. So it's a superfood in the sense that it has a healthy fat into it, uh, in it, but that's it. (laughs) I don't make it bigger than it is or, you know, it shouldn't be a fad diet that you only eat avocados or something like that. But if you're going to eat it, don't feel guilty about it. It's a healthy fat and it's good and and might have some really uh, good benefit off it. I do like I I like avocados I more love than apples. avocado, so that's a good thing. Uh, thank you so much for your time, uh, and have a great Monday, Doctor Jablonski. Hey, you betcha. That is Doctor Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician.
seven gold medals, five silver, and now a member of the Order of Canada. Donovan Bailey is one of Canada's most successful Olympians, and he joins us this morning for Motivational Monday. Good morning to you, Mr. Bailey. Well, good morning to you all. Uh, we want to talk about your latest achievement to becoming a member of the Order of Canada. We'll get there in a second. But first, because you're here on Motivational Monday, I want to ask you, somebody who has had a lot of success in his career, and that's carried through uh, your post-year Olympic career, to you, what does the word motivation mean? You know what? Um, for me, it means that um, I, should always be co- I should always be a student. I, I, I should be constantly and consistently be a student, which simply means that I'm looking for people who are challenging me. I'm looking for pe- I'm looking to learn new things. I'm looking for you know n- simply like simple challenges that allows my um, that allows you know for me to be intellectually challenged, physically challenged. I mean the, the physical challenge part. Um, I think that happened uh, being an athlete, uh, but now being surrounded uh, by people who are smarter than me, who are doing different things uh, that I want to learn about. Uh, you know all those things. Donovan, does a professional athlete ever stop competing or wanting to win, even though you're not in that Olympic era anymore? Never. There's no. There's no athlete. I mean, I encourage a lot of. I sit on several boards, and uh, one of the things I always encourage every single CEO, every CEO, is that if you see a, if if you see a, a, a you know a person who's been uh, who has competed in sports at the highest level at their highest level, uh, and whatever job they have they should hire that person. So, yeah, they, you know, because it's, uh, you know, Olympian or, or an athlete uh, certainly always look for challenges, and uh, they are usually the best employees also. Hmm. Us non-athletes, and I know you can't see me, Donovan, but trust me when I say I'm a non-athlete, <laughs> uh, sometimes lack motivation when it comes to, for example, getting out of bed early to go for that workout, or maybe you want to take up running and maybe lose a couple of pounds, and you think, oh, it's a little cool, a little rainy out. I'm going to skip today. And I think outside looking in, we look at somebody like you and say, okay, you probably never had a day like that. But did you ever have a day where you've, you thought, okay, I'll, I'll give my training a break today? And, and if you did, how did you get past that? Well, um, well, one, if you know anything about me, I, 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 I will say it. I'll say this very clearly. I hated training. I, I absolutely hated training. So, yes, you and I are very similar in that way. Uh, however, uh, what I did was, I, you know, I actually hated losing more than I liked winning. Uh, so uh, for me, every single day, whatever the goal was, I just had to soldier through it. Uh, you know, so there were those freezing days that I had to go out, get out to the track and train. Uh, there, were, there were those days that um, I was, uh, you know, in, in some place in the world that I couldn't find a proper weight room. I, I would improvise, uh, you know, so that's it. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm someone who's who's quite competitive, but more importantly, uh, you know what? Uh, a win to me was never always first place. A win to me was always giving my best effort, and so uh, I lived my life that way. I lived my life that way, and I still do now. Do you have kind of a ma- a mantra that you follow or followed back then? Maybe you still do. Oh, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm my I had an incredible support system, and and those and the support system, whether it's my parents. My family, my friends, um, you know, some of my uh, training partners, uh, you know, they were out working every single day. And, 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 and the thing is for me, I can never really complain if I've never put in my effort. And so the mantra is that I, you know, if I, if I have not put in my work, then I cannot have any complaints about the results that I might get. Mm-hmm. 
Let's talk about that network and that support. In your case, your family, your brothers, your your parents, for example. Now, on the other side, looking at the, how important that support was, what do you say to those support networks, those families out there who have kids in sports, how to be there for them uh, but not be forceful, uh, that delicate balance? Can you speak to that? Well, yes. Uh, you know, I speak a lot. Most of my speeches and appearances, I, I try to explain to people that um, my parents... Well, my dad in particular, his very first track meet that he watched was the finals at the 1996 Olympic Games. So, uh, you know, there, there was always high expectations. My parents were, uh, were, were, were parents that preached, uh, you know, uh, academics. They, they, they preached academia. They, they always said that, you know, not, no one can take knowledge from you. Uh, you know, and so that was the standard. Sports was my escape. Sports was the thing that... Um, that they, they, they would encourage me to do, but it wasn't, they wouldn't be forcing me to do it. You know, sometimes I meet parents and they said, well, you know, Mr. Bailey, my son is like seven years old. You know, what should I, and he looks very fast. And we, maybe he's going to be a skater. Maybe he's going to be a hockey player. Maybe he's going to be a basketball player. Maybe he's going to be, you know, a, a sprinter. And I'll see him. Uh, he's seven. He's got. He's got to be a. He's got to be a seven-year-old, and a seven-year-old's diet should be a seven-year-old's diet. I don't know what that is, whether it's Fruit Loops or whatever he likes. You know. You know what I mean. Yep. So, 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 I, and I think that um, at times when I do make appearances across this great uh, world of ours, you know, I, I almost try to help help put some of these parents in check to let them understand that, you know, at five, six, seven, eight, ten, you know, even fifteen years old. You can't force a child to really do sports. I think it's very necessary for every single child to participate in sport because that's what society will, will uh, they, in order for them to be productive members of society, I think that, that my personal um, journey and also everyone that I've seen around me, their network started from peewee football or soccer when they're four, five, six, seven, eight years old. But it's just about the kids having fun and understanding how they're going to fit into a role uh, in life. They don't know that, but that's what we as parents should encourage our kids to do. I love it. I agree with you. I I feel like, you know, kids are going to be part of a gang, some type of a gang. And to me, sport is a gang and it's a great one to be part of. Uh, I want to touch on this. Obviously, it's very important before we let you go. The Order of Canada, it's how our country honors people who make extraordinary contributions to this nation. And you were recently added to and as a member of the Order of Canada. Congratulations. What did that feel like for you? Well, thank you very much. I mean, I, thank you. Uh, you know what? It, it felt great. I, I, I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm quite sad that my parents weren't here to witness it, although they, my, both my mom and my dad are, are my guardian angel. Uh, I'm definitely, definitely humbled uh, to be appointed uh, the Order of Canada, to the Order of Canada. Um, but, you know, what's, what's been incredible this whole time? Uh, I was, you know, at winning the World Championships in 1995, winning the Olympics, and, and become the fastest human being on the on the planet uh, in '96. Um, the Canadian public and the Canadian fans have always validated me. They've always, I've always been an officer. I've always been a companion. I've always been, uh, you know, you know that that man. Uh, and and I think that uh, a huge thank you to all the, certainly to my parents who are not here, to my family, but most importantly to the fans of Canada because from Nine, from the mid '90s, uh, anywhere I go, to, anywhere I go, 
anywhere, anywhere I'm at. Uh, the incredible fans remind me every single day by just simply saying thank you, Donovan. Wow, we like to say thank you too, and congratulations. We've got to run. You see what I did? See what I did there, Donovan? Clever. We've got to uh, run. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> we, we'd like to thank you for being a part of Motivational Monday. So, congratulations to you, and thank you for your time, sir. Thank you, and have a great week. You too. That is Donovan Bailey, Olympian and member of the Order of Canada. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.